Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of the Future of Work podcast. On today's podcast, we are joined by VMware's Renu Apadhyay and Adam Smiley-Pazwalski. Renu Apadhyay is Vice President of End-User Computing Marketing at VMware. The End-User Computing's team's vision is to secure and enable the future of anywhere work, and Renu's team is the marketing engine to make that happen. Her team's charter is to lead end-user computing go-to-market strategy and execution, aligned to VMware's vision, empowered by exceptional talent, strong inclusive culture, and operational excellence. Thank you, Renu, for being here. And when companies want to increase belonging, human connection, and team engagement at work, they call Adam Smiley Pozwalski. Smiley is an internationally renowned keynote speaker, workplace belonging expert, and best-selling author of free books. Smiley regularly speaks at world's most innovative companies and has advised heads of state and foreign leaders about hybrid work, workplace belonging, and the future of work. Smiley's TED Talk has been viewed nearly 2 million times, and he has spoken in front of 50,000 people in 25 countries. Smiley's writing has been published in Harvard Business Review, Fast Company, and the Washington Post, and his work has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and the New Yorker, and the World Economic Forum. Today, Renew and Smiley will discuss the trends and opportunities they are seeing when it comes to the distributed workforce, sharing insights into how and where employees would prefer to work, and how organizations are adapting to meet the evolving needs of their employees. Now, to kick us off, let's set the stage a bit and talk about the current state of the distributed workforce and where we see this evolving in the future. So, Smiley, to start, what do you think is the main lesson we've learned now almost three years into the new normal of hybrid work? Yeah, and thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here with all of you. I think first and foremost, it's that we started off on this kind of adventure with hybrid work in the pandemic, and it was all about where people are working from two days a week in the office, three days a week at home. And I think what we've learned is that hybrid isn't where we work, it's how we work. In many ways, it's just work now. It's the new normal. And really, I think it's about how we connect, what we're doing when we're virtual, what we're doing when we're in person and everything in between. So VMware's own 2002 report that we're going to discuss today found that 53% of employees will never work for a company that doesn't offer work from anywhere or hybrid policies. That tells me that this is just the future. This is just the present, the future. It's everything. It's where we're going. It's it, it's uh, it's the reality. So it's not just where, it's the new normal. It's what we're working on. It's how we're working on. It's with who we're working on it. It's the ability for employees to have more agency in terms of how they're working and what they're working on. So flexibility And I think potential and employee potential have become the norm, the expectation, the rule, and hybrid isn't going anywhere. So I'm going to chime in as well on this one, because first of all, again, Heather, thanks for for pulling this together. I'm, I'm, Smiley, very excited to have this conversation with you, really passionate topic. You know, being a leader inside of VMware, living through the changes that have occurred, leading teams also through the changes that have occurred is, is really been, I think, just a challenging, but also a tremendous growth opportunity, um, not just for me, but for all of us in the organization. You know, going to your question, Heather, about some of the trends, right? And what have we learned over the last three years? Definitely one of the big things is our perception and understanding of, you know, as Smiley said, how work happens. And I'm going to talk of both lenses, right? From an employee perspective, as well as from a leader perspective, there were a lot of things we just took for granted about how we worked, how collaboration happened, how decisions got made, um, just how, you know, like you said, work happened, right? We, we, we never really thought about it as much and that has changed, right? So there's there's definitely a big change we learned in how we work 
And then also there's just change in terms of the environment and the context in which we are working has literally been different every year. You know, and whether it's the pandemic, whether it's the macroeconomic situation, whether it's, you know, the global situation, whether it's expectations of employees and employers, also something which we'll talk about a lot more today. I think it's just, you know, one is acknowledging that, you know, leaders cannot work from an from a fixed mindset. You have to work from an evolving mindset. You have to understand that, you know, you have to be flexible and adaptable. You have to be creative. Um, and how do you build those systems which allow you to do that, right? And so I think those are some of the things, you know, that we've we've learned is you can't take for granted around collaboration. You can't take for granted, you know, how you lead teams. But then ultimately, I think one of the things is the future of work is still evolving. Mm. I don't think the answer is there yet, just from what I see, like what is the right balance, right? And now, for my organization specifically, we are very desk bound. So yes, it makes sense. There's lots of customers we work with globally who had no choice but had to go into the office, uh, whether they're frontline employees. So I think just being aware of sort of what's the right balance, depending upon the organization, what are the expectations of employees and employers? And also the other, you know, the other thing which we've learned is that need for deep empathy, adjustment, um, and yet being decisive in the face of change um, is, is something, you know, that I just wanted to make sure we all, uh, we're all thinking about here. Definitely. That actually cues me in um, very nicely to my next question, which is what trends are you both following in terms of employee engagement and employee well-being in the wake of the pandemic and now where we are at now? So if I get started a little bit on the, you know, on the trends, right, I think there definitely is um, employee engagement was a nice to have. I don't think that's optional anymore. It's not a nice to have anymore. It's a must have. When you think about the work environment, and it has nothing to do with where you're working from, it's how you work and how you work. Expectations have changed forever. I think first is just sort of acknowledging that, that what we, your employees expect, what we all expect from organizations and of each other has changed forever. I don't think that's going back. So now in that new context, being aware of, therefore, what are these, um, you know, what are our employees looking for and how do we want to make sure that they are productive, not just productive, but also delivering, you know, great work, right, and collaborating in a meaningful way. So that is a trend that is here to stay. Employee experience, again, is one of those which was always a, you know, yeah, I'll get to it when I get to it. You know, I have lots of other things. I'm going through digital transformation. I'm going through, I'm not saying those won't happen, but Keeping the employees part of that conversation, I think, is a big trend, which the pandemic spotlighted, and I continue to see that grow. So for me, from a trends perspective, one is the experience piece. And the second trend is really, you know, is really around the area of sort of how do we uh, secure in this new environment? How do we secure the business? How do we secure employees, secure the data? Um, and automate because, you know, there's lots of challenges around talent shortages and all of that. So, you know, just to summarize, I would say it's in the areas of employee experience, which is here to stay security, right? Which the challenges continues to rise their threats. And then finally, in terms of how do we do more with less from an automation perspective? 
Yeah, I think Renu makes great points. I agree with all of them. Um, to me, it's the the simple metaphor I, I would use is that it used to be that a lot of what people, employees were talking about in terms of their own, excuse me, personal well-being, their mental health, uh, their work-life balance, many companies and leaders, I think, kind of had this notion, well, deal with that on your own time <laughs> when yeah. you're home. Right. Yeah. When you get home, you know, deal with the crying kids when you get home, the pile of laundry, the doctor's appointments, the groceries, all the things you're doing. And people now in the pandemic and now in the future are working from home a good amount of the time are like, I am home. <laughs> Those are the kids crying. That's the dog barking. That's the pile of laundry. Those are the four clients I need to respond to. It's all one. It's all melded. So there is a normalization of talking about those issues and challenges that employees are facing and managers and leaders are also facing. So I think uh, in many ways, maybe a silver lining of the past couple of years is that we're talking about these things that we were pushing to the side before. Yeah. Mental health, well-being, if people um, aren't doing, uh, aren't their best selves, how are they supposed to do their best work? How are they supposed to be yeah. incredible managers or leaders? Um, and so I think we're talking more about the burnout spiking. Uh, we're talking more about employee disconnection. We've seen that only 30% of employees are, feel connected to their teams. Um, and that 66% of Gen Z, young people, the future of work, wants a culture built on mental health and well-being. And C-suite executives are well are also uh, feeling really burned out. So we're talking about these things in a way that we were not talking about them in 2019, 2020. Um, and I actually think that that's a positive. It's a challenge. <laughs> it creates yet another thing that we have to consider and, and plan for. But I think it puts employees more at the center of our work. And if we don't invest in our people and take care of our people, we can't build incredible uh, products and teams and do our best work. Yeah. In fact, you know, that's that's such an excellent point. And just to add to that, I think it kind of goes back to what I was saying. We took some things for granted, right? We took some things for granted in that when I went into the office, you know, and I'll I'll give my own personal example. I remember when I was a new mom and I would go into the office after dropping off, you know, my crying child to school. And, you know, I had my support network, right, that I worked with. And, and the fact that I was going into a safe environment where I had colleagues and leaders who would support me helped me do my best work. So it was not one more thing that I had to worry about, right? So I think by working from anywhere, you, people have lost a little bit of that connection as you talk about, right? We've been a little disconnected, but we also took that for granted. And now you have to intentionally, I mean, am I going to set up a Zoom call to share what my kid drop-off experience was? <laughs> no, I mean, the kid might just jump into my Zoom call when I'm in the meeting. Uh, it's like, you know, bring the call, the kid to the meeting versus sort of the other way. So it's, I think you're right, that normalization, um, while it's not natural for a lot of people, right, there definitely has been a normalization of that conversation around your personal life and being okay where your one-on-ones are not just about, did you get through your list and the things you're working on, but really understanding each other more holistically because it's the the whole employee right as they say bring your whole self to work but it's really understanding that whole employee the challenges the environment and making sure that you, then they are empowered to do their best work and you are there as a leader so i do think another trend is sort of this focus on developing leaders to have these conversations um and making them comfortable and the focus 
on middle management and first line managers to grow into these conversations and be comfortable to have these where it's not just about I'm managing, but I'm leading and how do I show up? So yeah, I think that's that's just, um, I, I think the benefit of that has been so positive, right? When employees feel they're working in a safe environment that I do agree, I see it's something is continuing, right? There's been no downside as such, like it's, it's, it's positive. So I, I do see that as continuing as well. Great points, Mali. Yeah. Yeah, workplace trends have certainly evolved over the years, especially in the wake of the pandemic, as you were saying. Um, and to maintain a long-term view on digital workspace trends and its impact on employee experience, VMware actually annually surveys industry professionals to learn insights on how organizations can adapt to meet the ever-evolving changes in the distributed workforce. VMware recently released their latest version of this report titled The Distributed Work Dilemma, When Innovation and Job Satisfaction Compete which features unique insights from more than 5,000 HR, IT, and business decision makers and employee level respondents. The findings of this year's report provide insight into how both employees and leadership are feeling about the future of work, focusing on topics such as workplace location policies, job satisfaction, power shifts, employee turnover, and how organizations are turning to automation to enhance efficiency, collaboration, and job satisfaction. And this report aligns very nicely with the conversation we're having today. So. Let's jump into some of the findings. The report calls out an interesting conundrum when it comes to the benefits of an anywhere or hybrid work policy compared to an in-office policy. Specifically, the findings make it clear that people prefer flexibility with 82% of respondents indicating they have higher job satisfaction when they can work from anywhere and aren't mandated to go into an office on a regular basis. However, nearly two thirds of all respondents also indicated that their organization is more innovative when employees are together in the office. So Renew, how can organizational leadership encourage meaningful innovation without impacting job satisfaction? Can we really innovate remotely? This is such an important conversation because, you know, if you think about the earlier days when everyone was working remotely, everyone wanted to talk about productivity. Are you productive? Um, versus it's really thinking about the what is that productivity delivering? What's the outcome or the innovation that that productivity is leading too. And the innovation, when I think about innovation, can come in so many different ways. It could be you're innovating a process, you're innovating from a products and technology perspective, you're innovating from a customer experience perspective. So, you know, it was very interesting to see that, yes, flexibility, um, as the report highlighted, is very, very important. And then the stat that we talked earlier, right, 53% uh, will say they will not join a company if there is no flexibility. And, you know, I wholeheartedly agree with that um, if I was a respondent. So the way you address then that challenge is, you know, at the same time, while technology evolved, you know, collaboration tools, Zoom, you know, and, you know, other collaboration tools, providing access to information, providing access to resources to employees, wherever they are, continues to be important. But the role of in-person, that organic dialoguing that happens, the collaboration that happens is equally important. So the way we think about it and how do we enable that, you know, sort of my point of view is you have to be a lot more intentional. You, you know, there's a lot of concern I hear from people like, great, I'll come into the office, you'll require it, nobody else is there. So where's that, you know, it's just me, alone on this floor, you know, and the coffee is not even made. I mean, it's just like all kinds of expectations. So you have to be intentional. So you have to recognize why it is, you know, and when it is that it makes sense for people to come together. Um, and so you have to be intentional about that. And then you have to create the environment uh, to facilitate that, to encourage that. 
and you have to lead by example, right? Um, so that's how I think about it. I'll just give a few examples and then Smiley would love to hear sort of your thoughts and as you talk to organizations as well. So things like, you know, dedicated in office collaboration days. I know people don't like organization-wide mandates sometimes, right? In terms of everyone will be in the office such and such day. Well, do it at a team level, right? So decide what days do you want to come into the office? And, and our survey showed about 78% of respondents are implementing this kind of an approach. Um, and, and not just, it could be a combination of sort of organic and inorganic. You could actually have certain meetings so that the right people show up and others could be a little free time set aside so you could walk around and connect with people and have those whiteboarding sort of sessions that spark ideation. Um, another, you know, 69% of our respondents said team retreats. Um, you know, again, you're not going into the office every time, but when you go to a retreat, you are committing time. And so how do you, you know, bond, but also sort of brainstorm and collaborate on new ideas? Um, you know, virtual collaboration programs. I mean, many of us, you know, did this in the early days, but but continuing that, as we said, it's important to deliver on the talent, the evolution of the talent. And so we have respondents, 78% uh, said they've implemented mentorship and apprenticeship. They also have informal virtual team gatherings. So again, at the end of the day, there's a lot of ideas, but the right idea will succeed or the idea will succeed only if it's got the right intention, it's balanced, aligned to the intention. Are you looking for brainstorming to come up with an idea? Are you looking for organic collaboration? Are you looking for bonding? So depending on what your goal is, what your intention is, um, you have to be a lot more intentional about it. You, there's lots of tools now um, and planning that organizations can do to facilitate that. Yeah, incredible answer, Renu. I, I uh, plus plus one on everything. I mean, I think this is the great conundrum of hybrid work, and actually, why you know the point you made, Renu, in the beginning of we're still figuring it out. We don't know the answer because this polarity is what we always come back to. Employees are by far more satisfied when they have flexible work. They're more productive. We've learned that. The data shows that. Uh, it turns out that commuting 30 minutes to an hour a day, maybe both ways, um, and having uh, is not that fun, and spending more time with your family, having more kind of agency in terms of how you get your work done, that makes people happier. And yet, even those people themselves will say that they're less innovative, as, as will their organization, and that they miss kind of that human connection, but it's not enough to just say, okay, when we're in the office, we'll do connection. And when you're home, you just get work done because people are home a lot. So it's about designing for connection wherever people work. I think that that's the next level. It's not just saying, oh, we assume that people are going to collaborate because they're together. Well, if they're not all there at the same time, they're not going to collaborate. And if we don't intentionally have those gatherings when they are together, and we have to also create virtual connection as well. So I think it's really about building connection into the entire life cycle of a team. So whether that's innovation sprints, team building activities, coaching, goal mapping weeks, I think there should be a priority around the in-person. There's just some ideas that can't be shared when you're when you have that virtual context when you're using Zoom or other collaboration software. It's not the same as being in person together. Um, whether it's peer coaching, mentorship, starting meetings with a personal check-in, that's mm -hmm. something that we can do virtually too. We don't just jump right into the agenda. Let's take a minute. Let's take five minutes for people to do a personal share. Switching up facilitators for a virtual meeting. The same person doesn't have to lead every single meeting. It actually gives other people a chance 
um, to bring their own self into it a little bit, trying one new thing every meeting, um, creating office hours, as you were talking about, kind of this open door sense that, hey, I'm available that during this block, especially for leaders and managers, to get questions for people that might be much more junior to kind of feel like they have a voice, to feel like they can be seen and heard. So I think a lot of this is about kind of creating psychological safety for people to feel seen and heard, whether they're together in the office or working virtually or a combination of both. Yeah. And just a couple of things, um, you know, I think as, as I was listening to you, I was thinking about the work, the workforce is multi-generational too, um, and different people make connections differently, right? And so I think um, there's sort of two things. One is a lot, you know, when we had the whole great resignation and talent shortages, there's a lot of newer employees in organizations. So how do you get them to feel connected into the organization? And then second, there's multi-generational too. So as you are hiring new college grads and you're hiring sort of people who are very early in their career, they've not had the opportunity to build those bonds, right? Which someone like me with over 20 years experience, I have friends from my very first job straight out of college. So I think just thinking through, like you said, you know, what that intentionality is and then providing that um, depending on, you may make a cohort for those employees, right? Who yes. in that particular sort of generation and um, and get them connected and create those experiences. So again, yeah, lots of, lots of different opportunities um, to make this possible. And, and if I can just add, Heather, a, a great point uh, on that is that I think oftentimes we assume things that are not necessarily correct. I think we assume young people, okay, they're happy working from anywhere. They don't need the connection. They've got their phone. They're on TikTok. They're on Instagram. Um, they're actually reporting the highest levels of disconnection at work. And they're the ones that feel that they're missing the most from not being in the office some of the time because they don't have those mentorship or sponsorship opportunities because maybe they're only a few years out of school or it's their first or second job. And they don't have that kind of career mentorship, career development that you've had if you've had 10, 15, 20 years of career experience. So I think we understand that by simply talking to those folks and also building bridges, multi-generational collaboration, I talk about intergenerational co-leadership, which mm. is just basically pairing someone who's early talent, um, someone that is a little bit younger, uh, maybe it's their first or second job experience, they have a lot of great ideas, but they have a lot of room to learn, pairing that someone, uh, that person with someone that has a lot more industry experience, maybe someone that's been with us uh, for longer or has been in, in IT and cybersecurity for 10, 15 years to co-lead a project together. Because what you're going to get is both of those people saying, wait a second, I have a lot to learn from this other person. I yeah. had all of these assumptions about them, but now they're bringing all of these fresh ideas and ways of thinking that I didn't know. And instead of them kind of seeing each other as different, they're going to say, wow, uh, if we actually come together and share, there's a lot of opportunity for growth for both of us, right, to, to work together. So I think that we kind of get past those assumptions and a lot can happen that's positive in terms of uh, innovation and growth. Great idea. I'm actually, uh, I took note that it's something I'm going to go back and, and check with my team on, right? What can they co-lead? I think that's critical, not one leads and the other shadows. Um, so I think that's a, yeah, I think that's a really great suggestion. Great. Well, continuing on the topic of innovation, employees and decision makers agree that innovation can suffer in a distributed work environment, according to the report. But that doesn't necessarily mean we need to run back to the office full time. Instead, organizations are beginning to implement more formal metrics to measure the level of innovation taking place with, within their teams. 
So Smiley, to start with you, why do you think it's important to measure innovation? Yeah, I mean, this innovation is kind of at the core of everything that we do in terms of business, right? Customer satisfaction, performance, increased revenue, customer acquisition, how fast we're getting new products out, new revenue streams. It's everything. If we're not measuring, um, if you can't grow what you can't measure, right? And I think you've seen this also in terms of culture, right? With a lot of now these uh, engagement tools, data-driven engagement tools. If we can see that every single person on a team is disconnected or disengaged, maybe it's not those employees, <laughs> maybe it's that manager. Maybe something is going on there that that manager is actually not seeing their people or seeing their potential. So when we track things, when we have uh, an opportunity for innovation, I think we kind of unlock um, this, this incredible potential. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of times, you know, we can't just say, okay, people are more satisfied. What's happening actually? how we have to be able to track that. And that's why I think hybrid work becomes something that is not as simple as the, okay, what's our hybrid work policy? Two to three days in the office, which are the days, that's not enough. We actually also have to measure what's happening when people are together, what's happening when they're working um, virtually and in between. That's where we get the growth is when we're actually looking at what's happening uh, in terms of the innovation, not just... Um, where people are. That's where we get the how people are working. What are they doing together? What's working? What isn't? What are managers doing that have really incredible innovation on their teams? Maybe it's they're taking more time for those one-on-ones. Maybe they're understanding that each employee is different mm -hmm. and needs different things. Maybe some people need actually a lot more kind of connection and maybe need to be kind of constantly working with others. Whereas another person says, hey, I get my best work done if I don't have to talk to anyone all day long. Maybe they're more introverted, or maybe that's just the way they think. Incredible if they're if they're adding more to the team, but maybe it, it takes that kind of measuring those things uh, to make sure that we understand our people a little bit more. Yeah, you know it's so fascinating. I was just thinking about like in the very first year of the pandemic, there were all kinds. Of, one, we didn't know when it would end. We all thought it would end like in a year you know, uh, or so we didn't think it would drag on as long as it did. And there were all kinds of discussions, especially from many of us technology companies around, you know, we can do 10 years of innovation in one year and, you know, people are moving their projects ahead. Like it, there was this exuberance around, you know, we're still building, we're still rolling out software, we're still doing a lot of those sort of quote unquote measurable things, right? Like filing patterns, whatever it may be. Um, and and companies were making shifts to processes and they were digitizing, right? Companies that never had a digital storefront were suddenly having a digital storefront. Like there were business models being disrupted. So there was this whole exuberance around sort of what innovation meant. And then I felt like we went through this lull, you know, because the thing dragged on and then we kind of got back and then it started again. So we've just been sort of whiplashed a little bit. And I think that's made it very interesting about, oh, now how do we think about innovation? And now you are not asking your people just to run a sprint for that one year. Now you're like, wow, this is a full-fledged marathon and I have no idea what's around the curve. And then that is the burnout that you talked about earlier, right? And so now you're, now it's not about measuring just productivity. How many hours am I logged into my application? Now it's about how I make a difference and what I contribute to the organization if I'm not engaged if I'm not ideating the right way, it becomes even more important, right? Because as I said earlier, like this is here to stay, like this constant change in a context of the context in which we are working is here to stay. So 
it was very interesting and, and I was happy to see that many of the organizations that are adopting this anywhere work and hybrid policies are taking steps to measure innovation, right? They're saying, well, how do I, clearly this is changing constantly. How do I want to measure these things? Because that's where I'll put my resources. That's when I know is my strategy in sync with my execution, right? So we saw that about 97%, in fact, which is a really high number of these organizations that support Anywhere work are using metrics, right, to measure innovation. 93% of hybrid work organizations and 83% of in-office. So first of all, I think the net is that I was glad to see that people are looking at this measurement because again, it's not just how many hours or how people are working. It's like, what's the output of that work? Right. Some, some sort of, um, you know, metrics were specifically in the area of customer satisfaction, right? As a way of innovation, like I said, organizations having digital storefronts or measuring, you know, customer NPS, but also importantly, the performance of employees and teams um, as a direct indicator of innovation, right? That was very interesting to me that if your team is not performing, clearly your innovation is, is sort of low. So it wasn't like how many patents did I file, right? The, cust the employee experience scored higher than that, right? Increased revenue, of course, customer acquisition, and then the speed at which you can deliver products and services to market. So this is just an example, I think, of some of the metrics uh, companies are putting in place, organizations, and, and I'll be curious to see what, you know, the listeners are doing in their own organization. I think, again, just knowing that we've gone from this, we'll do everything, we've been productive no matter where we work to, wow, now we are accommodating hybrid and your personal life more intermingled and these global challenges and all this stuff. You know, I think if you haven't yet, it's time to put some metrics in place so that you can then provide that guidance um, to your teams as well, right? As to how are we wanna be measured how do we think about success so that we can orchestrate our work accordingly? So, so lots of good data in the report about you know, how companies are measuring innovation. Great, let's shift a bit and now touch on workplace talent trends. Um, over the years, we've definitely seen workplace talent trends continuously evolve and adapt to economic shifts and technology advancements. We've certainly seen a flux and flow. Um, for example, although there's been an increase in talent shortages and employee turnover, we've also seen re recent economic concerns that may cause employees to become more hesitant to leave their job, preferring security over the risk of jumping ship, which um, is kind of opposite of what we've seen in previous years. So Renu, what trends are you seeing as it relates to workplace talent and potential power shifts between employer and employee? Yeah, the, the talent conversation has been um, such a big one. I mean, it should always have been the first conversation. Um, it always sort of, for some reason, would go to the back. And then I think, you know, with the pandemic and, you know, the great resignation, again, even though that was some time back, um, it, it's been in the forefront. And now we are seeing the macro environment um, change, right, from this exuberance to pulling back. Um, so those dynamics are changing, and I think our respondents are feeling that shift as well, right? So where there was, I can go out, and again, I want to make sure, um, I don't want to generalize, right? Um, I know that there are 
different industries, whether you're in retail, you know, working in retail or hospitality versus sort of desk-based software engineer, like it's different, right? But in general, there's definitely a flux and a churn when it comes to talent. And I think it's it's happening, you know, while in the early days it happened because of sort of just so much opportunity and I can work from anywhere, which makes me rethink sort of what I'm looking for in a job and, and makes me rethink my lifestyle. Now that lifestyle has sort of gotten equal footing with my work style. And so now I'm making choices differently as well, right? Again, I won't work for a company that doesn't offer flexibility. So I think um, that power balance and power shift um, continues. Um, I would like to, I mean, it's uh, it's a balance and it's seesawing. It's not stabilized, I would say. It's not like, oh, it's shifted one way where one is on top and the other is at the I mean, it's it's constantly adjusting and adapting. It depends on the talent you're looking for. It depends on the skill set that's available. It depends on do you care about the employee? Do you care about their well-being? Do you care about their mental health, right? And what the, what's important to the employees, the generation they belong to and all of that. So I think that will continue to be important as you think about the talent. But, you know, one area I do want to point out that the report specifically highlighted where we've seen just tremendous um, changes. And we we were interested in looking into that specifically, you know, being part of a technology company and, and also a company that provides solutions when it comes to security. Um, we saw tremendous burnout with uh, cybersecurity uh, teams. Um, we saw that, you know, especially in, starting from the early days when employees, everyone was working remotely, the environment in which you deliver security to your teams, to the business, to the data, information devices, all of that has completely changed. So there was just tremendous burnout um, to the cybersecurity teams. And the flip side was there was a lot of opportunity for the for the bad actors to take advantage of this. So, so all of that created a ton of burnout and the cybersecurity professionals themselves were remote, right, which made it hard for them. So we saw like, you know, the top reasons for some of this burnout was personnel shortages because the talent needed to manage security in this new environment was very different than maybe what they had. The number of alerts went up, lots more threats, um, and the investment didn't go up, right? So lack of investment, 34% uh, said that was a challenge for them resulting in burnout. And then not really understanding their role in the larger organization or, and having appreciation for that as well. So so I think it's very important to, you know, there's sort of, again, thinking persona, there's the whole organization, but there are different teams in the organization that have felt the effects differently. So being aware of that and tailoring the solution to them specifically um, is very important. So how do you compensate them well? How do you alleviate some of the burden, you know, by hiring the right talent? What can you automate? for them is very important um, to think, uh, and what kind of culture um, that you set for the organization is also very important to think about. Great, and Smiley, what can organizations do to retain employees and create workplace connection? Yeah, create a positive culture, I think is number one. Um, you know, I think what we've realized is that, again, early on, I think a lot of people thought when it came to uh, virtual and hybrid that it was about surveillance, right? It was about monitoring technology, making sure that people were always logged in. Uh, but then the MWARE's report actually found that organizations that implemented monitoring technology reported higher levels of employee turnover because it created a lack of trust. 
you know, it, there's nothing, there's no easier way of saying, hey, we don't trust you if we're always going to be watching you. It's not really just about whether you're online or whether you're working, it's how you're working. Again, it's are you innovating? It's are you connecting? And I think employees where they feel that sense of trust, they feel that psychological safety, um, they feel that they have a positive culture, they're going to do best, uh, better work. So, you know, I, I wrote a piece for Harvard Business Review that talked about how the great resignation wall um, is a great term. And, you know, there's a reason that that term exists. I actually think it's really about the great disconnection, that it's just that employees that do not feel connected to their coworkers, to their managers, to their leaders, to their companies are those are the people that are leaving. Those are the people that are disconnected. And when we actually invest in those people, create a culture where those people feel seen and heard, you know, they're going to do great work. So that really this isn't just about, you know, everyone's quitting every job. Like if you actually look at the numbers, that's not true at all. It's that people are adapting to a new world of work and connection matters so much more in that work. Um, and as Renu was saying, it's going to depend on the team. It's going to depend on what people are working on. It's going to depend on um, how people spend their time. So one thing I'm tracking now is kind of this shift in the power balance, right? So yes, of course, employees have way more agency and power as they should <laughs> uh, yeah. compared to three years ago, right? In terms of especially uh, flexible work, in terms of working as a new parent, you know, all of these things that we know we're not going back to the way things used to be of five days in the office for most roles. And yet, because of uh, the current economic reality uh, and the current economic climate, um, you know, the report found that 62% of employees said that they'd be less likely to, to change jobs. So we might see, I think we have to see how it plays out. It's um, mm. still early in 2023 as we're recording this, what happens in terms of, of, the, of the power dynamics. Um, I think we're going to see more people realizing um, that, you know, they can't leave their job but that we're not also going to say it's all going back to employers <laughs> and companies getting to do whatever they want and forget about employee experience. Uh, that's not going anywhere. So I think it's a little bit of a push and pull, but no matter what, creating a positive culture where people feel appreciated, where people feel celebrated, where people feel like they can share their voice and their ideas, regardless of their title or their seniority, regardless of how often they're in the workplace, right? In the office, that's been another issue, proximity bias, mm -hmm. right? We've seen a lot of data that shows that people that are um, more physically close to their managers or their teams are getting promoted at a higher level than people that are working remotely. But if the people that are remotely are doing incredible work, that's not fair, right? Or if they have to be remote for whatever reason, um, we have to make sure we design for that. So I think it's this idea of positive uh, culture where people really feel like they can be themselves and do their best work. Yeah, I want to underline two things you you said, uh, Smiley. One is the psychological safety, right? Because we are also talking so much about innovation. Innovation means you are breaking the norm, right? You are suggesting a better way to do something that might be very accepted and part of the, you know, this is just how we do things and you're asking for a shift and a change. So it takes courage. And if you don't have the psychological safety, you don't have the team support, you don't have a leadership team that allows that and fosters that automatically your innovation. I mean, it's just not going to be worth it <laughs> to innovate, right? They're just and, not going to want to do if, that. 
Yeah. And if I can add on to that, actually the kind of work, the definition of workplace psychological safety that uh, Amy Edmondson, who's kind of one of the pioneers in the field out of Harvard Business School talks about is it's the ability to take risks and be vulnerable in front of each other. It literally is innovation. Yeah. yeah, It's yeah. it's being able to share an idea and not, and, and not have someone say, that's a horrible idea. Yeah. But someone instead says, tell me more. Yeah. Or I'm willing as a leader to put myself out there, admit that I made a mistake, get feedback, admit that I don't know the answer. Yes, I'm the most senior person in the room. I should know the answer. I don't know. What do you think? Because yeah. then everyone else around the table or around the Zoom says, oh my gosh, I can put my ideas out there. I can take a risk. I cannot know. Yeah. I can be yeah. curious. I can try something. I can make a mistake and I'm going to not lose my job or not be punished. And actually I'm going to be celebrated. That's encouraged. That creates an environment of innovation. Yeah. yeah. And they're just, they, I mean, they, you can't have one without the other, right? They can't be innovation if the, if the psychological safety doesn't exist. And the second thing you talked about the proximity bias, I think that's also very important, right? I think it's easy for us as human beings to settle back into our old ways of doing thing when everyone was in the office and and you made decisions at the water cooler or in the hallway. And now employees who made life decisions maybe moved away um, and are not there, uh, not able to come in. How do they feel part of the conversation? So treating those remote first employees as first class citizens, right? So that they feel equally empowered and psychologically safe versus you know just someone who's in the office and you're going on a walk with all the time. Um, is also something very intentionally leaders have to support, right? So I think um, these are, I just, you know, they were just great points. I wanted to just underline both of those um, to say, you know, innovation requires that. Um, you, you know, those are just sort of must-haves when you think about it. Yeah, and that actually ties us in nicely to our next question, um, just the whole conversation about how we can maintain connection in, in a remote environment and how maybe automation can help us do so. Um, when the pandemic forced us to adopt distributed workforce, um, some organizations for the first time, it revealed outdated training protocols and technology that really hindered um, some organizational progress and might negatively impact employee experience. But fortunately, organizations are now investing more in automation with 87% of our survey respondents indicating they've increased their investment in the last two years. So Smiley, to start, how can organizations benefit from this increased investment in automation? Yeah, I think it's important to know just kind of in terms of uh, the climate right now, we, you know, for most companies, they just simply do not have the personnel to do everything that they need to do, the staffing shortages, the labor market. And I think automation can help us connect better with less. So I look at a lot of the collaboration tools, um, whether that's in terms of kind of, you know, Slack teams conference rooms with um, equipment, new project management tools for people to do their better work, IT and security tools, tools for training, learning and development. So people can still uh, be remote, be virtual, be distributed and not lose access to growth and, and, and learning new ideas and, and taking courses and all this stuff. So really automation that improves the employee experience and productivity, I look at a lot. I also look at the kind of data-driven engagement tools, whether we're kind of me we're measuring uh, people's connection, people's uh, how much they feel seen and heard by their manager, um, things like that, um, as well as kind of all of the cybersecurity risks where I think automation can really kind of help us make sure that we're not missing um, major crises or incidents. Yeah, just, you know, I think um, 
for automation as as smiley rightly pointed out i mean it was a it was a need right there was you didn't have a choice because um you know with the talent sort of in flux all the time you just had to sort of rethink now i think what the pandemic and everyone going through this at the same time what it gave is it gave people sort of a little bit of the courage or the the push that had been missing in the past maybe to make the changes to actually automate right one is yes it sounds good on paper and then two is actually doing it and i think when these challenges around talent shortages became real and these challenges around cybersecurity teams being burning you know burning out and the threats being a true threat to my business at its core you had no choice right and then everyone else was going through that so there was a little bit of that which made people also actually then you know think about it and make those changes in a comprehensive way right and what just some examples like how do you automate onboarding of employees uh, how do you automate you know when you give out devices uh, to employees there's lots of manual processes which you don't inspect because that's just how you do things right but when you're kind of pushed back against a wall you do have to think your way out of that and and you and that's what was exciting is the creativity and that adaptability that IT teams brought to the table and they said, well, there's a better way. And, you know, not only I, do I not have a choice, but actually this better way is the right way and I should actually prioritize and invest in it. So definitely lots of sort of ideas there and opportunities around automating, um, you know, different kinds of processes, you know, whether it's technology or, or people. Now, we've seen organizations are starting to make big commitments in order to find that balance that brings a collaborative and innovative work culture while still giving employees the chance to work remotely. Um, Renu, what approach should organizations take to implement automation and a distributed workforce to allow that um, that balance to happen? Yeah, you know, it's um, automation, again, like innovation on its own sake doesn't work. It's like, what's the intent behind it? What is the change? Uh, you're looking to implement what's the outcome that you want to drive and and it's really um, you know there's sort of a couple of things right one is um, how do you automate again and this is not automation of the old where it's like machines are going to replace people I'm not talking about that kind of automation right I'm really talking about a better smarter way of operating right and whether it's requires use of you know AI machine I mean these are there's lots of different ways so I'm not going to dive into that technology aspect here but there's really ways to think about it right and and how can this everyone benefit from it whether you are working in the office or remotely uh, from the automation so I think about these things as a journey because yes changing from status quo to something new um, any kind of change requires planning and, and being thoughtful about it so one is really prioritizing that investment in automation knowing identifying it's important identifying what is the outcome that automation is going to drive, um, being very clear about that change, right? And then once you have that, then you sort of start to prioritize because again, it's very easy, you know, to have lots and lots of ideas, but you have to start somewhere. Uh, as I've mentioned, there's many opportunities around things to automate. One simple one, as I said, is onboarding new employees when talent is in flux. Like, can you, you know, automate how you onboard new employees? And so. So being very clear about the use cases. And then finally, 
measuring, right? I'll just give some examples of use cases that we heard back. And again, we surveyed not just IT leaders, you know, we, we had HR folks and we surveyed employees as well. And some of the things they said were ripe for innovation, like over 51, 50% said incident management, right? The whole ticketing system. Um, provisioning of applications and devices, right? 50% uh, said that's ripe for automation. Um, incident management, um, you know, patching of your devices. I mean, there's lots of things um, we were very used to as employees relying on IT uh, teams for providing, and there's a lot of opportunity to automate in those areas. So again, just to quickly summarize, one is like prioritizing, being very clear about the intention. Um, two, once you are clear, then being very crisp about what are your wins and how you map those, what's the first thing, then the next project, the next. And then finally, how do you want to measure? How do you want to measure? How will you monitor? How will you provide that visibility so you can do better um, the next time and continue to optimize? So again, um, you know, lots of uh, lots of benefits of focusing on automation over here. And Smiley, where do you believe organizations should focus their automation investment? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a collaboration connection guy, so uh, yeah, I, I really think the collaboration in a kind of distributed environment is is obviously the big focus here. Connection tools for employee engagement, uh, communication, uh, virtual gatherings. Um, I think also now that we're in this hybrid space, it's this idea that it's not an either or; it's an always, and it's always happening. So, how is the best way to track, measure? and just see what everyone is working on all of the time um, so that it's not just we have separate things for when we're virtual and separate things when we're together. It's that we're actually able to include everyone in that process um, and that it's um, ongoing. And I, you know, one of the things from the VMware's report that was most interesting to me uh, was that even as organizations with work from anywhere and hybrid policies invest heavily in digital culture, only 11% of them report that their policy is permanent and will not change. This idea that leaders, I think in many ways, and, and maybe the culture still is a little hesitant. We're hesitant to kind of say, well, maybe we're maybe we're still going back. Or we're not ready to go all in. We're, I'm not ready to go all in. I'll do a little bit. We'll do six months. We'll commit to this for three months. And I get that because you also need to adapt and 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 trial and error and see what work what's working. But I think for this to work, we kind of do need to go all in. We kind of need to say, this is where we're headed. This is where we're going. And of course, we'll course correct if we realize something isn't working, but we're ready to throw our chips on the table uh, when it comes um, to investing in these tools and, and, and making sure that uh, distributed collaboration, uh, distributed work isn't going anywhere, that these investments in automation aren't going anywhere. So I think that there's a little bit of we have to be real and we have to understand that if we're going to succeed in this, an element is going in and trusting in the process and realizing that we're not going back to the way things were. Because I think if you tell people all of these half measures or say, hey, we're trying this for a month or two months or three months, they kind of don't have, the, mm -hmm. they, they don't put their full selves into it. They don't bring their full selves to their work because it's not something that they think is going um, into the future. So there's this element, I think we need to kind of go all in a little bit. You can always opt out otherwise. So you're never, you know, fully opted in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're not opted in, you're always at least, you know, and maybe there's some correlation there with why, you know, we have these kind of trends around quiet quitting and all of this people yeah. are confused. There's a little bit of an yeah. unknown 
what am I supposed to do? I, last week, last quarter, we were doing yes. this. <laughs> last month, we were doing this. Now we're doing this. And that's part of the reality of, uh, of the climate. You know, we're, the world, things are changing yeah. so quickly. Yeah. And I think there has to be a little bit of a kind of, hey, this is, this is the future. This is where we're going. Um, let's not pretend that we're going backwards. We're not going backwards. We're going forwards. Great. Well, that concludes our conversation for today. Renew and Smiley, thank you so much for joining us on this special edition of VMware's podcast to discuss trends and opportunities in the distributed workforce. You can dive deeper into the VMware report findings mentioned today by visiting the link listed in the podcast description. And for more resources on this topic, you can also check out the VMware End User Computing blog at blogs.vmware.com EUC. And you can also find Smiley at his website, smileypozwalski.com. Thank you.